Father, I love you. I thank you, God, so much for your love. And I just pray that um, today, Lord, as we do dive into your word, as we look about uh, into your word about living a refueled life, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, God, that you would... Uh, touch each one of us, maybe in a way that we didn't expect today. God, that you would speak to each one of us individually, that you would speak to us collectively. Holy Spirit, that it would be your words that, that come through today, that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get going, I, I also will uh, preface this. If I just randomly cough, forgive me. Um, I'm preaching with a cough drop and water and the Holy Spirit, not in that order. Um, so I'm hoping that I don't just randomly like blow your head off with a cough or something, but it's, it's one of those like annoying coughs that just hit you, you know, and you're just like, Phew! and so anyway, I've been working on it all week. And so hopefully it's, it's all gone and, and God will give me some grace here for about the next 20 minutes or so. So we've been talking about road construction and the idea of, uh, unfinished and how, um, the analogy of road construction and what, uh, uh, and what God wants to do in our lives and how the process is never finished and how when we look out on the roads that, that we're driving on, we're like, man, is this ever going to be done? And, and it won't be. We know that. So, um, and a day like today just really makes you appreciate road construction even more, doesn't it? Um, but the, the idea there of road construction and, and the fact that it's inconvenient, but it's always necessary, and the things that we have to do in our life and, and in terms of growing in our relationship with God are inconvenient but always necessary. And God wants to, uh, wants to grow our relationship with him. And we've talked about um, knowing Jesus the first week. And last week we talked about loving Jesus and how those processes are never complete. And, uh, and I mentioned how um, my wife and I will look out onto the road construction as we pass and we'll just say, It'll be nice when it's done, and it never gets done. But, but the pieces, parts that are done are nice, all like quarter mile of it. And at the same time, though, while that does kind of help us get through um, looking at it and dealing with it and all of that, um, it also makes me wonder, does God maybe look at us that way and say it'll be nice when it's done? And thinking about the process uh, that we have to go through and that he is maybe uh, putting us through in some ways um, to grow toward him. And we get frustrated. Um, but, you know, life with Jesus is a process, and it's never finished. And really what we've been talking about deep down is this idea of being a disciple and being a disciple of Jesus. And to look at a definition of disciple, I've put together a definition that we've looked at every week, and I'd like to look at it uh, today as well. And this is a definition that's really based on biblical principles and uh, where we should be going as a follower of Jesus. And it says this, a disciple is completely committed to knowing, loving, and following Jesus. They live every day to pursue him further and share his message with the world. And so as I mentioned, we talked about knowing Jesus and the importance of continuing that process of getting to know Jesus and knowing him and how that'll never be done and how important that is. And last week we talked about loving Jesus and the importance of loving Jesus and how he is never done loving us and we are never done learning to love him. And while he has a perfect love um, that is really impossible for us to really get our heads around, um, we can always love him more and learn to love him more and getting to know him uh, helps us to love him more. 
And so today is baptism. It's not swimming trunks Sunday, um, as uh, me and Mikey both uh, wore our swimming trunks up here, but we get the privilege to be a part of baptism today, which is always an exciting thing. Um, and it's always just an amazing thing to see uh, that physical representation of people's lives being changed and moving in the relationship with him. And while we are going to celebrate that today, um, I also want to talk about the fact that when we think of things like baptism and, and, we, and we think of moments that are like amazing moments of worship and all that and how much that kind of refuels our life, that sometimes we might be in a place where we need to be refueled and we don't always realize it. Uh, I remember my first car was a 1988 Ford hatchback Escort that looked like this. It was awesome, right? I was styling. Didn't, uh, yeah, it was completely stripped down. I didn't have uh, a system in it or anything along those lines, like a stereo system or anything. I had the whole uh, CD player that was on like the stand and it kind of bounced as you drove and you had to have the tape that was into the tape deck. How many had that one? Come on, you had like the tape in the thing, right? You know what I'm talking about. Students are like, what? And yeah, it was like caveman, right? So yeah, it, but you know what? It got me from here to there. And here was actually one of my favorite things about, about this car. I could fill it up for eight bucks. Eight bucks. Granted, gas was a little bit cheaper at the time. I get that. But still, eight bucks. I could top it off for eight bucks. Pretty easy to refuel that car. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to stay refueled today, not just because gas prices are higher. Um, they're actually not that much. I was looking at it. They're not that much higher than they were when I had this car. But, you know, days like today, baptism services and, and things like that, they get us refueled. But what about this afternoon? What about Tuesday when life smacks you in the face? What about a week or two from now? What about when bills land on your you know, in, in your mailbox and you open them up? What about relationship stuff? What about family problems? What about uh, school stuff? And then the next thing you know, we start, we start feeling, getting this feeling like we're falling away from God. Have you ever felt maybe like you're just so worn out, you're stressed out, you're to this place where you're slowing down and your relationship with God just feels distant? And it feels like, boy, if I... I don't even feel like he would be listening, even if, even if I did feel like I was in a place to be able to talk to him. Or you get so emotionally frazzled that, that God just seems cold and uncaring and just a million miles away. So let me ask you this as we start with this particular place with a poll. I want to ask you all to answer this question to yourself. And it's, it's in your notes. It's on the Bible app. Um, you can't really like answer it on the Bible app and, and it's okay because it's between you and God right now. But I want you to answer this question. How strong do you feel your connection with God is right now? How strong do you feel your connection with God is right now? Granted, we had an amazing time of worship and I get that and everything. So maybe right now it's a little bit better than it was say 30 minutes ago when you walked in. But be honest with yourself here. Strong, okay, weak or empty? Where are you on this scale? Maybe your spiritual empty light is on right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's lit up. And let me just say that this isn't the way that God wants us to live. God doesn't want us to live with our spiritual empty light on. And he also doesn't want us to go through life having that get drained and then having to refill it. And having get drained and having to refill it. I think sometimes, uh, sometimes we miss that. 
because we miss the warning lights. Ephesians 3.19 says this, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, we need to be connected and refueled to live as he intended. And that refueling begins with following him. It begins with following him. It begins with obedience. But the problem is we don't always live the refueled life. Because if we wait till we're on, on empty and then refuel, it's a whole lot further to come. I know that my, dad's always told, my dad always told me when I was younger, like, when it gets to a quarter tank, you better fill it up. Don't wait till it gets below a quarter tank. Well, I, I do that most of the time, but I don't do that all the time because sometimes our fuel gauge is on empty and the warning lights come on and the car's about to stop working and, and it's because we're not following him. Because we're not following him in our, in our life, we're trying to navigate on our own and ignore the warning lights. But here's the thing, warning lights are important. That's the first, that's the first fill-in and this is also kind of an obvious, I think. Warning lights are important. If a warning light comes on in your car, it's important. If you ignore them, you might blow up your car, right? How many of you have driven around with the, um, the check engine light on for like, you don't even know how long? Yeah, I was that, I was that person. I've done that. You're like, oh, it's just an O2 sensor. It's probably fine. And, and you just keep on going. But, but let me ask you this. Fuel light comes on. Bing. You're like, where's the gas station? That, funny enough, I, I, I knew what I was speaking on this Sunday anyway, but Thursday, I'm on my way here in the morning. I dropped the boys off at school, and I'm on my way here, and my gas light comes on. I, didn't even, I wasn't even looking at my fuel gauge, and I'm like, what are you reaching on today? And sure enough, my, my, uh, my fuel light comes on, and, and it's funny because you know you've got like 40 miles before you're going to run out of gas, but, but, I'm, but you're like, where is the nearest gas station? You know what I mean? And, and I'm, I'm looking, and, and I'm just like, I'm praying, you know, or whatever, and even my... You know, even the, the thing on my dash is even saying, you've got 42 miles. I'm like, but what if I don't, you know? And you start kind of freaking out when that fuel light comes on. Generally, I don't let it get down that far. But you know what? If we ignore the warning lights in our life, if we ignore them, and then our life bursts into flames and we wonder why. Have you ever seen someone's life implode? Unfortunately, some of us have, and it may be because they've ignored the warning lights, whether it's road rage, we could talk about that for a second, but where someone maybe overreacts to getting cut off, dad loses his temper and maybe swings at a kid on the other team at a baseball game, there may have been some warning lights there that somebody didn't see. We've seen the YouTube videos, right? How about classic midlife crisis guy that ends up trading in his wife for a sports car? You see marriages crumble and burst into flames. And some of us sitting here have experienced that. Some of us have been through what happens when someone ignores the warning lights in their life. And I am so sorry for that, and, and, and I hate that, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here, and I pray that you'll respond differently if your low fuel light is on. That maybe you can take a look at some things today about what God has to say and make different choices. Maybe you... Maybe you feel empty. You love God, but you're just not feeling it anymore. I've talked to many people that have been in that place, don't really know what to do. You isolate yourself from the people that are closest to you. Get frustrated when people aren't perfect. You don't 
don't feel this way maybe, maybe this is you, you don't feel this way, but this talk may be preventative maintenance for you, and that's okay, that's cool, that's good, because you want to live by God's design. And so I want to look at a couple of warning lights today, a couple of warning lights right now that I think may be flashing in your life in some regard. There may be different levels of this happening in your life. And so let's start with this one, the warning light of comparison, the warning light of comparison. Comparison is a joy thief. We talked about joy the entire month of December, but comparison can rob your joy. When you compare, you lose every single time, every single time. I will never be as good a Christian as, fill in the blank, we have that person in our mind, or my life will never be as good as person that has all these material things. And we do that. We do that and we compare. And instead, we need to compare ourselves to God. And when we compare ourselves to God, we bow in humility. See the difference? Because when you compare yourself, there is no comparison to God. That's kind of the point, right? You just bow in humility and you realize how much you need him. As opposed to when we compare ourselves to others, we play this game that leaves us feeling empty. And we feel empty every time. That will never fill you up when you play the comparison game. Even if you keep up with the Joneses, it's still not going to fill you up. Because it's not of God. So you've got the warning light of comparison. The second warning light is probably um, a little bit worse. And if you want to compare, it would be the warning light of doing. The warning light of doing. And here's what I mean by that. If we approach God like we approach uh, school, if we approach God like there's just a checklist of things that I've got to do, and there's um, these rules that I need to follow, and I don't do too many bad things, and then heaven is my home, number one, that's theologically incorrect because we are saved by grace. And it's not, there's nothing we can do to be good enough to earn our salvation. But that also puts things in our head that God just never intended for us to have. If we think our relationship with God is like a checklist, and then we wonder why our relationship with him doesn't feel right. It's because it's not. That's not how it's supposed to be. Instead, we should be walking with Jesus and we should be building our relationship with him like a marriage should be. My relationship with my wife is best when we just spend time together as opposed to just a checkoff list of stuff. It's best when we spend time together. But instead, we stumble into this this game of doing what we think God wants us to do, and we're doing these things, and we think, boy, I should be like Mother Teresa, and I'm going to try to read the entire Bible in a month, and, and then we wonder why we're not able to keep up to this standard, and we fall short every time, because we're going to fall short every single time, and you know the Pharisees did just that. This group in the New Testament, the Pharisees, they were the spiritually self-righteous people, they, followed, they were the ones that followed every rule and every regulation. And um, you name it, they followed it. And Jesus saved, this is interesting, because Jesus saved his harshest criticism for those, the spiritual snobs, we'll call them, that walk around like, you know, like they have to do every single thing. And here's the deal. Maybe you need to move from doing to being. Think about that. You need to move from doing to being. I talked about this a little bit last week, 
But it's that idea of like, we think that by doing these things, that if I do these things, if I check off this list, that that is going to bring my spiritual life in line maybe with God more as opposed to the other way around. I should, I should get my heart closer to God because the closer my heart is to God, the more my desires will line up with his desires, the more his desires actually become my desires. And the behaviors then follow that. But we try to do it the other way around. Turn to John chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles or you've got your Bible app and you're following along, we're going to be in John chapter 3. And this is a story of Nicodemus. And this is a guy that, as you'll see, came to Jesus very much looking at these warning lights, these two warning lights. He was at least smart enough to recognize them. And he was a Pharisee, as you'll see. (coughs) Excuse me. All right, so here we are. Verse 1, chapter 3 says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, Nicodemus exclaimed, how can an old man go, or yeah, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Verse 9, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? See, here's proof that he didn't get it. Here's proof that he didn't get it. Let's skip down a few verses to beginning in verse 16, John 3, 16. Probably recognize this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. See, Nicodemus had religion, but he never truly entered into a filling relationship with God. He was so busy doing that he was wishing he could do more, and he was empty and shallow because he was just trying to do. And Jesus shattered all that, and he said, forget all of that. Forget what you thought was spiritual and love me. Forget what you thought was was spiritual and love me, and through me, you can enter heaven, not through the stuff that you think you're going to be able to do to earn your way there. See, God wants us to be the person of God. He wants us to be the person of God. And getting refueled starts with accepting Christ as the center of your life. It starts with accepting him as the center of your life and believing in him and asking him to fix whatever's going on with your car. <laughs> so what do you do about the warning lights? 
what do you do about the warning lights? Maybe you see these warning lights. Maybe you're being honest with yourself right now. I hope that we all are. And maybe you see some aspects of these warning lights. Well, there's a couple of options. A, you don't care about the warning lights. And maybe you see them, but nothing seems too serious right now, so you're just going to kind of see how it pans out. You're maybe a little apathetic to it. And that's fine. Or B, you care. You care deeply. Hopefully we care deeply, and we want to begin the process of refueling. So you've got this chief religious guy here in John chapter 3, this guy who, who sneaks in to see Jesus at night was not popular for him to go and see Jesus, for him to be talking to Jesus. But he knew that something was wrong. He knew that something was wrong, and he discovers his freeing and filling relationship with Jesus, and that living a refueled life starts with knowing, loving, and following Jesus. No comparisons or traps, just letting him guide you around the potholes of life. And so what do you do? Well, you start with continuing to know, love, and follow Jesus. And that's the next, that's the next uh, fill-in here, is to continue to knowing, continue knowing, loving, and following Jesus. Nicodemus cared about the warning signs in his life. He cared about them, and he did something about it. He realized he was living a life of rules and laws, and even as a leader of these religious people, but it wasn't enough. He was empty. He knew that doing wasn't going to cut it. So this unfinished process in our life that we've been talking about, what is happening maybe every day as part of your spiritual life? Each week, you wrote down one thing that, that you can do to be uh, closer to knowing and loving Jesus. Hopefully, you wrote down something each week. And so that means, hopefully you should be thinking now, about what is something for you to follow him more that you could be writing down today. I hope that you're already thinking through that a little bit. Here's a hint. Uh, spoiler alert, knowing and loving him will force you to follow. It will push you in that direction because they're connected. See, that night, Nicodemus' life was refueled. His life was changed forever. And how do I know that? Well, because later on, in the book of John, you actually see his story Told more in a few verses in John chapter 19. And this is after Jesus was crucified. He's hanging on the cross. And look what, look what happens here, beginning in verse 38 in John chapter 19. It says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices and long sheets of linen cloths. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never, uh, never used before. You see that? Nicodemus, he's carrying Jesus' bloody body in linen sheets at a time when it was not popular to be seen as a follower of Jesus. He was hanging there on the cross. But he realized, 
he realized the warning lights in his life and he made a change. He finally got it because he had an experience of meeting Jesus. And that experience of meeting Jesus made those warning lights shine in his life in a way that maybe he had never seen before. And he understood. His life was changed forever. And he knew that he couldn't run on empty anymore. That he was, he was missing out on God's plan for his life. And he went from just doing Christian things to being one. There's a big difference in doing Christian things and, and being a follower of Jesus. And his first step was identifying himself with Jesus. That was his first step. And so the connection point for the day is this. We are never finished following Jesus. We're never finished following Jesus. Don't ignore the warning lights. See, accepting Jesus as your Savior is just the first step. But there's a process that, that continues, that starts at that moment and continues for the rest of your life of knowing, loving, and following him. And all three of those are interconnected. And following Jesus, we're never finished following him. It's a lifelong process. It's not just the day we get saved or the day we get baptized. That's, that's not when it's over. That's really when it just begins, quite frankly. It's a... It's a lifelong process. And so let me ask you this question. What is the one step that you can take this week to follow Jesus more? What is one step that you can take this week to follow Jesus more? It might be the same thing that you wrote down for knowing and loving Jesus. It might be a combination of those things because these are interconnected. Obedience is an active process. It's an active process, and, and God is still working on us, and so that can give us confidence in the fact that there is nothing we can ever do to be good enough because we have confidence in the one who is. We have confidence in the one who is because he is still working on us. And this process of renewal that, that I've talked about a little bit over the course of this month is a continuing process. If we aren't growing and we aren't discipling individually and as a church, as much as we need that other building, and we'll be talking about that here soon, but as much as we need that, if we aren't growing, if we aren't knowing, loving, and following Jesus, then that building doesn't matter. Because this is something that needs to start in each and every one of us. It needs to continue in each and every one of us, and it's a process that we all need to be in the midst of doing. Would you all stand with me? And as you stand, would you bow your head? Because I want to take a moment here before we move into the baptism moment to talk about this idea of a refueled relationship with God. Because I believe that there are some of us here who are feeling like we are running on empty spiritually. And if that is you, maybe you're playing the comparison game. Maybe you're playing... Um, Maybe, maybe you're wrapped up in the idea of doing things instead of being a follower of Jesus. I would encourage you to really seek God right now and, and what that looks like for you and to take a step in moving toward refueling your life. And the first step is following him. I want to invite you into the same refueled relationship with God that Nicodemus found. See, this is a place where people 
can live a life for God, not judging others, falling into the comparison trap and trying to do spiritual things, but truly walking with him and following him every day. That's the kind of culture that we have and are going to continue to have as Connect Church. But if you're not in a relationship with Jesus right now, if you don't, if you don't know for sure, if maybe you're playing the doing game in your head and you're thinking, boy, I don't know if I can make it to heaven. I'm, I'm, I think I've been a good enough person, but, may, but maybe I haven't been. Let me tell you, you haven't been because you can't be a good enough person because you'll never be able to be good enough. It's only through the grace of God because God created you to be with him and our sin separates us from from God, and there's nothing that we can do to remove that sin. Our sin can't be removed by the good things that we do, by the stuff that we do. And so you could compare yourself all day. It's not gonna be good enough. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and he paid the price for you and for me. And it's by putting your full faith and trust in him, in him alone, that anyone and everyone can have eternal life and that life with Jesus can start now and last forever. Those that are getting baptized today understand that. They've put their full faith and trust in Jesus and if you're not 100% sure, if you're, if you're basing your idea of whether you think you're gonna, quote, make it to heaven based on what you're doing, let me tell you, it's not gonna be good enough and I would love to talk to you more and pray with you so that you can know for sure that you're going to have a place in heaven because you're going to fall short. You're definitely going to fall short. We all do. I do. Every one of us do every single day. If that's you, if you want to know more about that, I would love to talk to you today. If you would maybe be willing to either come down and talk to me or, or I can pray with you afterwards or see you at the orange wall or even if, if you just feel led and there's somebody there next to you and you want to come down right now and, and pray, that would be, that would be awesome. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, so much for your love for us. I thank you for your spirit that is in this room now. And God, I pray that you would just continue to move in the hearts and lives of those that are in here. God, I pray, Lord, that if there is one that doesn't know you as Savior, God, and, and, and they're maybe relying on the stuff that they're doing, on the works that they're doing, God, I pray that you would move them to a place where they will come to know you as Savior. God, and that they would start, stop relying on that stuff and start relying on you. God, because we need you. We can never be good enough. And so, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would continue to move. And, Lord, uh, for those of us that do know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that maybe we're not falling into the comparison trap, that we're not falling into the trap of doing. God, that, that we can maybe reevaluate and we can walk from this place, Lord, being refueled and moving in a way that we can keep the fuel in our lives going. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit, I pray. God, be with those that are gonna be baptized here in just a few minutes. We praise you for that. We celebrate what you're doing in their lives. We love you in Jesus' name we pray.